Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Thrash Talk Podcast. It's me, Sleep Here, uh, one of your hosts. I got my boy Keith Gable with us. We're stoked to bring you another episode this week. Uh, and, and we got a good one for you. We got our, our guy, Zach Miller, Team USA. Keith, tell us about him. Yeah, thanks, Sleep. Uh, super stoked on this one. This is one of my US teammates. Uh, Zach's an absolute beast on the snow and pretty good dude off the snow. I think you guys are going to really have a good time. He's a 2023 SB recipient for Best Athlete with a Disability. He went to the 2022 Games in Beijing. He's a two-time world champion in the team event border cross and bank slalom so that's yeah. awesome he's won a couple other medals as well one silver two bronze and uh 18 time world cup medalist so super stoked to have zach we had an absolute blast i love the kid you know i've known him since he was just a kid kid so uh i can't call him a kid anymore he's got a deeper voice than when i first met him and uh you know, he, he races like a grown man, which I love. He's so young, man. And, and being in the space and, and seeing him grow, I, I imagine has been super cool for you, uh, to see him come up and to have accomplished what he's accomplished. Crazy impressive, man. Having an SB, not many people have SB. So, uh, I love that. I'm stoked and I'm stoked for everybody to hear it. But, uh, but for now, let's get over to, uh, Zach Miller. You, you. So sleep. I want to ask, like, how is the kiddo's ankle? Like, bro, uh, give us an update. What's going on? Oh man, dude, I almost got in a fight. What? Oh, You're the nicest dude I know. Really? No, I didn't. I didn't almost get in a fight. Somebody almost wanted to fight me though. So nice. All right. So, man, I got to tell you about the. I got to tell you about the basketball thing too. Getting cut than not getting cut. Maybe we can talk about that later. But soccer. Um. So my daughter plays competitive soccer here in Texas. Pretty big deal. Uh, we are out pretty much every weekend, multiple times a weekend playing all over North Texas. It's kind of like one of the best places in the country to be a soccer player because top level talent comes here to play. You know, you think about like, um, Oklahoma, you think about Nebraska, you think about all these, well, they come to Dallas to play their tournaments because, you know, it's, it's an epicenter, right. For, for that. Um, so high level soccer here had a tournament the other, or, um, a game on Wednesday, uh, she was dribbling the ball down the wing, played the lo- a, a ball pretty far in front of her. Nobody was in front of her. A girl comes in from the side. A girl goes for the ball. Peyton, my daughter Peyton played the ball pretty far out in front of her. The girl just trucks her, man, trucked her bad. Um, she went out of bounds, rolled her ankle pretty good. She went down pretty fast, and I stay out of that. I'm like, I, I told you, I text you, I, I'm just going to stay back. I don't want my feelings or influence to have any effect on her, right? You know what I mean? If I walk up, I'm like, oh, are you okay? She's going to be like, oh, it's bad. You know what I mean? Or if I walk up and like, get up, you know, I don't want her to feel the the need to get up and keep performing. So I just kind of stayed back, walked away. But I was I was pretty hot because um, she got hit pretty hard. It's my kid, right? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, you know, the doctor came over started the ref didn't really call anything i felt that he should have uh the doctor came over started messing with her ankle you know said hey you're out you got a you got a mild or moderate ankle sprain which really doesn't mean much i learned doesn't really mean much to have a mild or moderate ankle sprain so anyway i walked to the car she's on our side of the field she can't walk back to the bench you know i'm not gonna make a show of walking her back to the bench so she's sitting on like kind of the parent side now in the in the bleachers so I walk to the car and get her Crocs. And as I'm walking back to the field, 
like another girl gets plastered and I, uh, I, I kind of gave the ref some business and I, and I felt bad about it afterwards. I, you know, I shouldn't talk to the ref or anything like that, but I was like, Hey man, come on. Like these kids, these kids are getting hurt. We already got my kids hurt. Another kid's going to get hurt. And there was a mom behind me, like neck tattoo, like giant fake lips. And, <laughs> and she starts laying into me and I like, I'm on like, you kind of separate the sides of the field. Like the one team parents are on one half, the other team. So she's behind us on our parents half starts laying into me like it's hey, soccer. Let him play the game. And, and initially like my reaction was like to get back over on your side. Like, what are you doing over here? Get back over on your side. And then my, my second reaction was like, I, I want your kid to play hard. Your kid play as hard as she wants. I want all these kids out here playing hard. Cause that's what matters. Right. I, it's between me and the ref. Like your kids, like if my kid hits somebody, I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe she was going hard. She was going for the ball, missed it, hit somebody, call a foul and move on, you know? Um, or don't. So yeah, so ex- exactly. So <laughs> I, I stop, I sit down and I stop and she's like kind of five feet behind me, giving it to me with her, her husband, who's a little bit bigger, her significant other bigger dude. And he's like, come on, just leave it, just leave it. And she is just laying into me and I'm, I'm chilling out. And I heard her say, or I heard him say, Look at that tiny guy. What is he going to do? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah, I know. So, I, but I, I was cool, calm, and collected, sat there. I agree. I shouldn't have yelled at the ref. Um, but I was, you know, I was hit. I was, I was heated. My kid got hurt. You know what I mean? I, I felt that they were going kind of hard. And again, I'm all for those kids going hard. Um, but yeah, when he, when he was behind me, I like kind of just giggled under my breath, like, he's small. What is he going to do? Like I trained five days a week for that comment. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny. You don't know, man. You don't know who's out there. And and now everybody trains. You know what I mean? Uh, right. it, there's so many people that are out there doing jujitsu, doing Muay Thai, boxing. Um, heck, I mean, you can do it from your own home, right? You can learn combos from your own home. I mean, you're not going to learn pace, movement, anything like that. But people can train everywhere. So uh, very interesting experience for sure. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, I got to cool down. I, I, I felt super guilty after it for sure. And I feel guilty even talking about it right now. <laughs> well, don't, I mean, that's the passion of being a dad, all that kind of stuff. And like all is well, that ends well, nothing came of it. It is what it is. Like if nothing else, your daughter knows you got her back. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't think too much into it. You know, maybe the other parents are like, Oh dang, sleep got heated. Oh, dude, yeah. I am I am the coolest, calmest, collect most collected of all those parents, man. Those parents right. go hard, man. Yeah. And I feel bad for the officials a lot. Like, man, they they make pretty decent money. I think they make like, you know, sixty bucks a game. So it's not like they're they're hurting anywhere here. Sixty bucks, hour, hour and fifteen game, you know, hour and a half game, depending on how long. They're they're doing good. Right. They're probably repping uh, three games a night or afternoon oh, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, you have to deal with a lot of parents, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I, I like I I don't envy them. That's for sure. I don't envy a man. Well, Zach, I, like, oh go ahead, go yeah. ahead. I would say, I mean, I if I was one, I you would have to turn it off. I I don't know if you could pay me enough to do it. Seeing some parents go at them. Well, so yeah, totally. And I was just gonna say, Zach grew up playing soccer, so I mean, I'm sure he can relate in some way, shape, or form. I mean, that was like hit his go to. I mean, you should see this guy juggle a ball in the no. gym he's sitting there doing all these dude he's so good he's really so good. tell me about it man yeah actually um i so i i grew up with an older brother who was like the 
I don't know. He was like the, the sports hero at my school, which is probably a big reason why I'm so competitive today. But yeah, man, that was, that was his sport of choice was soccer. Um, and he was good, dude. He was so good that, um, come his senior year, they had given him the name magic man because he would be on one side of the defender. And then with a quick, you know, shake of the hands, he'd just be on the other side. And there was no explanation as to how he got there. Um, he, uh, to this day actually still holds the mile record for the presidential fitness at that school. Oh, and yeah. he ran it. He, uh, he, that day he forgot his like gym shorts and his coach was like, well, then you're going to run it in your skinny jeans. And my brother was like, <laughs> really? And he's like, yeah, you're not exempt. You're going to run it in your skinny jeans, like to punish him basically. And of course, you know, my brother took that as a challenge. So he was like, okay, you want me to run it in skinny jeans? I'm going to run it in skinny jeans. And he like ran so hard. I think he like puked twice once during the mile another time after, but he was like, that was the kind of like, that was my brother, the guy I grew up with. Right. So yeah, every time we were in the backyard and he was bored, he'd be like, yeah, let's go pass the ball around. And so I got, I got pretty good at soccer, just trying to keep up with him. Um, and, uh, eventually when I was, uh, 16, I got invited to go train and potentially compete with the U S Paralympic soccer team. So I started training with them for a little over a year. And then, uh, basically when they were doing the classifications and starting to build out the roster for the next competitive season, they, you know, sent me the competition list and they were like, all right, these are the dates like you need to block off on your schedule. And I looked at them and like nine of them interfered with my, my like snowboard schedule. Cause I was doing yeah. both at the time and I thought I could make it work, but then they were like, no, like you have to, you have to commit to the soccer team if you're going to train and like travel with us. And so I, I sat there for a while and looked and I was like, man, do I want to be a soccer player or a snowboarder or a soccer player? And honestly, like it took a second for me to be like, I don't know, man, like uh, the soccer team is actually kind of nice. You know, there's, there's, those are, um, there's some really good boys to, to run around and, and train with. And, uh, I ended up finally deciding, I was like, ah, I can't. I'm sorry. Like I have these snowboard comps I want to go to and they're like, all right, see you later. Um, cause there were 20 other kids that wanted that spot. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, soccer has definitely been like the sport that I, I grew up with. And so, yeah, anytime I'm in the gym, it's kind of weird. Cause like, yeah, I'm this little skinny snowboard dude who, you know, you wouldn't guess. And then I just walk in, I'm like, Oh, this is a soccer ball. And I start juggling and people are like, Whoa, like what sport do you do? And I'm like, no, nah, nah, I do yeah. snowboarding. <laughs> but, yeah. So yeah. I was going to ask, do you think that your body would take a rougher beating? And this may be an obvious question in snowboarding or soccer. Or, and did that like play an effect on your decision where you were like, um, soccer might be too easy on me. I need to, I need to get out there. I need to thrash a little bit. I can't thrash in soccer. Is that, was that the mindset? Do you think soccer would have been a little bit easier on the body? What, like, what's, uh, what was your, what was your thought? That's a good question. Actually. Um, I feel like, I feel like both of them have their, their respective impacts, right? With soccer, I would say it's, it's actually probably more high impact and more wear and tear on your knees and your ankles and hips, just cause you're out there pushing for, you know, 45 minutes and then you get to take a second and then you go back out for another 45 minutes. And you know, that's, that's massively sustained compared to what we do on snowboards nowadays. You know, our courses are like max two minutes, 30 seconds of like high energy output for sure. And you know, high impact cause we're, we're out there jumping, but, um, I think it was a good idea that I didn't go the soccer route just because 
since then I've very much uh, realized I'm not an endurance athlete by any means. I would much rather like strap in and go for like 10 runs and then call it a day than I would to like get all set up, go out in like the hot Georgia heat, you know, where they were training and just like run around for four hours, right? Just sweating my nuts off. So definitely the, the right choice there for the, for the body. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, like snowboarding's way more fun. I like getting out there and passing on a soccer ball with some friends, you know, having a good time. But like, I don't miss a lot of the training drills we used to do out on the field, you know? Well, I love, so going back to like your brother being a superstar and all this stuff, like back it, when we were in Chile, we were talking, we were hanging out. Zach brought his uh, steam deck. So he had, uh, was a need for speed or something like that downloaded mm-hmm. to it and he had just gotten it and so we're all taking turns playing not not me so much because i'm not much of a gamer but zach's a big gamer and then mike minor started like heckling him was like oh i'm gonna buy this car i'm gonna play all night and then build up some money and then i'm gonna buy this car with your money and zach's like don't mess with my game like it's like it's a, it's it's a known thing. You don't mess with Zach's games. Like it's just crossing the line. So I'll set them up I'm for like, you, but you can't just walk in and start taking over my save files. That's those are sacred. That's Mike Miner. <laughs> Oh, it's a hundred percent Mike Miner. He's so like, Mike. oh, there's a there's there's a scratch an itch. I'm gonna scratch that hard, right? It's fully minor. So like what I was gonna say though is like I had a conversation with Zach because I was like, dude, you're getting like pretty aggro over this. What is it all about? And then he told me this story about his brother came in and like full on Netflix oh, yeah. game, bought a bunch <laughs> of stuff, all of this, and it came down to a soccer shootout. So like Zach, fill us in because I can't remember the whole story and I'd butchered if I tried, but like. Bro, tell us about that because it's hilarious. Dude, it's one of like my core childhood memories, right? That's like, it was definitely a, <laughs> what do they call it? A canon event, right? You know, in, in my upbringing that turned me into the person I am, right? So I, you know, I've always liked the the racing games, lived and breathed racing my whole life. And so, uh, you know, growing up, one of my favorite games to play on our Xbox that we had in our house was Need for Speed. And so at the time it was like Need for Speed Carbon, um, and I was obsessed during that time with the four GT. Like I felt like it was, I thought it was just like the best car ever made. I loved the style. I loved the sound. I loved the tail lights. Like that was my car. And when I earned it in the game, right, it meant everything to me. I was like, it wasn't even one of the best cars in the game, but I was like, I'm going to beat the game with that car. Cause I love that car. Right. And so, you know, my brother caught on, he saw how much I cared about the car. He didn't really understand it. Uh, but yeah, one day, like, uh, he was messing around on my game. I was like, dude, what are you doing? We get into this big argument and he, I like, he knew what he was doing. Cause I was, you know, his younger brother and like, he knew he, he could, he could do this to me, but he was like, he's like, well, tell you what, tell you what, I'll let you do whatever you want to my favorite car in my game. And I was like, okay. He goes, the only thing you got to do is stop three shots out in the out in the net out on the field and i was like what and he's like this 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 is the deal i'm offering we're gonna go out to the park you're gonna go into the net grab your gloves and i'm gonna take three shots on you if you block all three of them you can do whatever you want to my save file you can wreck my car you can sell it you can paint it to make it look horrible whatever you want if i score one goal on you i get to do whatever i want to your four gt and I was like, no way, man. Why would I do that? And he goes, cause dude, I'm going to take every shot from outside the box. 
like okay. outside that massive, like, you know, 20 foot box. Right. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, well, I can handle that. Like I, I had already been playing for our middle school team for like, you know, two years now. And I was like, all right, I'm, I, I could do this. I can totally do this. Right. So I'm like, all right, bet. So I like go get my gloves and we head out to the park and he's like, all right. And he, he, dude, I'm telling you, like he knew every step of what he was doing. Right. We lived nearby this, uh, this park, this field. And, uh, one of the things that just the, the local HOA had some money for was to put up, you know, two, two nets so that some kids could play soccer. The field was never painted. It was never maintained. They just put up those two nets and they were like, good enough. And my brother and I were probably the only kids in that neighborhood that even used them. Right. We went out there and he, he takes the first shot on me. And he, he plays it nice and easy. You know, he puts a little bit of spin on it. It's coming from the outside in. It looks flashy, but it's it's not a lethal shot by any means. And I save it. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, what? You, you, you want some extra time to warm up? Like, you're trying to, you, you know, is it, is, it, is it okay? You want to wait until, like, the wind's more at your back, right? And he's, like, he's just letting me get all amped up. He's like, he's like, no, no, no. Just just let me take let me take one more. And so, he, like, moves the ball over a little bit. This one's a little bit more direct. And, uh, and this time again, knows exactly what he's doing. He's a good soccer player, right? He rockets a shot at me that scares me a little bit, but he puts it like right at me, like something I'm going to stop. So he rockets a shot at me and I like block it off my hands and I'm like, whew, okay. Did, were you getting a little upset about what I said there? Like now I'm getting real amped, right? Cause like, I don't really get this many opportunities as the younger brother to like trip at my older brother, you know, and like kind of get under his skin. Right. And so now I'm like, I'm running away with it. I'm getting way too overconfident. And he's just sitting there and he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That was a pretty bad shot. That was a pretty bad shot. All right. All right. One more, one more. This is it. Comes down to, it comes down to this. He starts adding some pressure. He's like, if this one goes in, I get to do whatever I want to your safe spot. And I was like, dude, I already know what color I'm going to paint your car. I'm painting like that. I'm going to finish last in a race and I'm going to sell it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Just, you know, all right. And so he backs up and he's like, tell you what, man, we don't, we don't actually have to do this. Like we can just go home now. We can call. And I was like, that, that that's when he got me. Right. He like baited me and he's like, dude, we don't have to do that. And I was like, no, take the shot. I'm ready. Like I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to block this. It's going to be, it's game over. Right. Literally game over. Take the shot. And he's like, okay. And again, like I said earlier, this field was not maintained, right? And my brother knew, he knew if he put a hot shot right across the ground, just kept it nice and low, he was going to hit this bump that was just outside the smaller box. And I wasn't going to be ready for it, right? I was focused on him. I was laser focused and I had the blinders on, right? And so he's like, all right, all right, here we go. He takes a couple steps back and he goes, you sure? Take the shot. And sure enough, he walks in and he just wham, just full open face of his boot rockets. This thing at me like 50, 60 miles an hour, just chopping grass on its way to me. Right. I mean, this thing is literally mowing the lawn as it's coming in and I'm like, Oh, this is easy. And just to be sure, right. I'm already coming down. I'm already coming down to put my whole body. And then it just hits the bump. And I just watch as it just goes up and over my shoulder, just right past me in slow motion. Just like, there it goes. Your whole, all your dignity, all your confidence, you know, everything leading up to it just right over me, just hits the back of the net. Oh no, oh no. And I'm just sitting there punching the ground and my brother, he didn't even wait a second, dude. He was full sprint back to the house to start up the Xbox 360, <laughs> gets in there. And by the time I had gotten home, he'd taken my perfect four GT, this thing I had painted black and gold, this thing that was like my child. It's hot pink with a metallic coat. 
extra glossy. It's got hearts and flowers and lipstick kisses all over it. And he's like, you got to finish your save with that car now. And I had to, fi- I literally, I didn't even, I don't think I finished that game. I was like, you know what? I don't even like Need for Speed anymore. It's fine. Whatever. And like ever since then, dude, like that's, yeah, like I said, one of those canon events that made me so, uh, so competitive, especially about video games. So I love it, man. I, uh, how much older is your brother than you? He's three years older than me. Three years older. Perfect age, man. Perfect difference, man. Yeah. You're right. That'll, that'll harden you. I'm sure. Um, having, having a girl, girl and a boy, it's a little bit different, but, uh, uh, I had two brothers growing up, man. I had one, one year older than me and one three years younger than me. And I actually quit playing video games when my younger brother started beating me. Like I was like, well, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, like I should be beating my brother who's three years younger than me at this. And he started beating me. I want to say he was probably like 11 or 12 and I was, you know, 14 or 15. I was like, nope, I'm done. I like, I don't, I don't play anything anymore. So, uh, thanks Scott. When you, when you see this, uh, I don't play video games anymore because of you and look what I'm missing out on. Look what I'm missing out on. I'm missing out on all this goodness. Apparently. Um, Zach's brother's full on hustler, bro. I fully hustled him. He and he still he still is like in my head to this day, man. Like when Smash uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate came out, you know, we both had a Nintendo Switch. He was like, "Dude, like, start training your main and come down and play me." And this is like two years ago, dude. I'm like 22, headed down there, play with my brother, and like I left that day just like <laughs> wanted to punch the wall, man. Like it's, I I could lose to anyone, right, in video games, and I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, like you beat me. I was having a bad night, you know, whatever." But like just something about losing to your one of your siblings, you know, it's just it stays with you. It burns inside. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up as the older brother. So, you know, and video games, it was like Sega when I was hanging out with my little brother. So it was primarily like Sonic and things like that. Uh, What else was there? Um, We were talking about it last night. Oh, Mortal Kombat. And like my little brother, yeah, chance. We were like five years difference. Right. So like didn't have a chance uh but now he's like zach he's like a ripping gamer and stuff and i would not have a chance if i tried like if i i put a month aside to learn a game or something i still wouldn't have a chance against him I, but so you're I'm that like, type of play. You, you, but you're that type of person keith that like if you did pick it up i think i'm that type of person too if somebody like challenged me it would probably ruin my life i'd probably play way too much i'd probably like go all in and and uh and wouldn't have time for anything else kind of like what i'm doing now with uh everything going on with shredding sassy man i'm just all in (laughs) i I love it too much but uh dude we're here on thrash talk man i love it we're here dude thrash talk bro like we got zach miller in the house zach uh yeah so stoked to have you like i know it's been a long time coming sleep and i we've had how many conversations about getting you on to like an x space and now that we've got Thrash Talk up and running, I'm so stoked that we finally were able to get some time, get some of your time and be able to put it all together where we could actually link up and get you on the podcast and just shoot the shit with you, man. We, we just kicked this thing off. Uh, Keith and I met probably eight or nine months ago, maybe not even that long. I, I don't I don't even know. Just we met through Ollie and uh, we, we had a good time man. we were all over Twitter and, and we finally decided to take this step over to uh, to podcasts and, you know, just really lucky that uh, that we have this connection, man. And having you here today and like really want to learn more about uh, your life, your upbringing, you know, coming from from Colorado. Right. You're, you're from Colorado, boy. Yeah. Um, and, and really coming up in the sport, man, you're 
I'm going to say it. You're much younger than Keith. Sorry, Keith. You're much younger than Keith. Uh, <laughs> he reminds guys, me every every day, bro. Perfect, every day perfect. he reminds me. Do you, do you call him? So I, I'm telling you, I've been giving Keith the business about this, but do you call him Grandpa Grizz like Miner does? Because that's like kind of my favorite nickname for him. Now, you don't call him Grandpa Grizz. What do you call him? Oh, man, I, I ain't that stupid. I call him sir. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just because this is recorded. You're saying that I'm just taking it because this is recorded. <laughs> I'll definitely he, he throw out the. He's got to face joke. me at some point. Yeah, he's yeah. Boomer jokes constantly. Yeah. And Miner's not that much younger than me, so where he gets off saying Grandpa Grizz, he's fully bald. It's no offense, sleep, but yeah. I have a full head of hair. It may be turning gray, but it's a full head of hair at least. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. But uh, so, it, it, I mean, it's awesome that you guys are are, are still competing. And um, and I mean, obviously, Keith is competing in the, the same class as you. Uh, how long have you been at the, the pro level? How long have you guys been, um, I guess, teammates and, you know, competitors in a sense uh, at the same time? How, how long have you been up uh, at the show, per se? Yeah, so I've I've only been like Keith's teammate, we'll say the official teammate, um, for five years now, uh, cause I made the team just after, uh, South Korea, but I, I mean, we definitely go way farther back than that. Um, and honestly, like as teammates in a sense too, I, uh, I discovered snowboarding when I was eight years old and it was through the, the arch program that children's hospital has, uh, that they have down in Denver, um, because I was going there regularly for treatment. And my doctors noticed, you know, I had that real competitive spirit. So they recommended the arts program to my mom to kind of get me involved in uh, just like a spread of different sports. Um, you know, they'll take the kids out and host like a, a, a clinic for, you know, a couple of days and teach kids how to, you know, pass a soccer ball, throw a football or, uh, or even go fishing. And, uh, and the thing that I clicked with was when they took us up to Winter Park and taught us skiing. And so the first time I did that, I was six years old. And I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed being out on the mountains, right? I, uh, I went up there. I had such a good time. I was, I was surrounded by a bunch of other kids that were in kind of the same situation as me. Like they were regular patients of the hospital. And, and so they also kind of like didn't fit in. And so we were just this crew of misfits out there learning how to ski. And so I fell in love with, with the mountains through that. Uh, when I got back home the first night, um, uh, my mom goes to pick me up and she like gets me into the back seat and she, gets in the car. She starts it up. She just the mirror and she's like, Hey, how, how'd it go? And I'd like already passed out. I was just gone in the back seat. Right. I uh, completely burned all my energy. And, uh, yeah, when I finally woke, woke back up later that night, I, I couldn't shut up about how I was like ready to go out there again. And so I did that for two years and got on a chairlift at winter park. The, the arrow lift is still, still up there. There's this little two person chair. Um, and as we were headed up, I was with my instructor and just saw a pack of snowboarders headed down the mountain and like they were having so much fun. Like they were, they were carving, they were slashing, they were throwing snow at each other, you know, they're chasing after each other. They were just laughing and having a good time. Right. And I turned to my instructor and I was like, I have to try that. And she was like, all right, well, like you're a pretty small kid. We'll see if you even fit any snowboards we got. Um, and at the time I actually didn't, I was too small. So I had to wait until next season when I was, when I was nine to actually, strap in for the first time. And, uh, so yeah, I just started doing it recreationally because I was just like, this is awesome. Like, I really don't know how to balance, but like the first time I linked like a heel to a toe edge, right. was just like, Whoa, this is so oh, much yeah. fun. 
So then I was just obsessed with it, right? Still doing it recreationally through the Arch program. And then that's when I heard about this, uh, the snowboard team that had been started up there in Winter Park uh, at the, at like the NSCD headquarters. And there was a couple of dudes on this team that were, uh, were training for racing. And I was like, wait, you can, you can race. And they were like, yeah, I was like, like, you can go fast on a snowboard. And they were like, yes. Is that something you might be interested in? And I was like, yes. Right. I've been, I've been a speed, like freak my whole life. You know, I've always been, I was bitten by the speed bug early on. And so then I, I've heard about this sport called border cross where you could like race. Right. And so then, uh, then I, I found out about it. I signed up for uh, just a local USASA race and I raced against this dude named Carlos Figueroa, who was, uh, who was an ex Marine and he was a dude that was just training as well. And, you know, I'd kind of started snowboarding recently and it was just me and him and, uh, we pull out of the gate and he's beating me by a few board lengths. No problem. Cause I'm still like, I'm so young at this time. I think I was 11 when I signed up for this first race and, uh, he fell in like turn three. And me being like the innocent little kid I was, I stopped and asked if he was okay. <laughs> and he's like, dude, go, like, it's a race. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll see you at the bottom. And, you know, got, got my momentum back up and finished. And as I come across the finish line, you know, there's like just a bunch of moms there, that, you know, watching their kids, but like they're cheering and like ringing kettlebells. And I was like, I just won my first border cross race. I'm going to live forever. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> And so then they're like, all right, well, if you really like this, if this is something you want to do, let's introduce you to this, this development team that we got here. And so that's when I met like edge and then a few other guys. And then that's when I also met Mike Shea, who he brought me kind of into the more elite circle of the guys at the time, which included Keith. And so at that time, you know, Keith, Evan and Mike, uh, who were the three guys who, you know, eventually went on to sweep the podium in, in Sochi they were all training together, you know, just pushing each other to get ready for, for Russia. And I got to like basically spend my first few years of training chasing after these guys. So like, even though, yeah, I've only been Keith's official teammate for like five years, he's one of the first like role models slash coaches slash competitors that I even had in the sport. So it's really cool to, to now be sitting here today. Right. And like having gone to the Paralympics with him, competed on the world stage with him, become not, you know, not just a competitor, you know, like not just this little kid that's chasing him, but now like a teammate and friend is, uh, it's, it's pretty cool when you look back on it. And hitting him with the eyebrow too, hitting him with the eyebrow challenge. Yeah. <laughs> no, hey, so let's him we, we don't have we don't have to go into that yet. Yet we don't have to go into that yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so that was Sochi. Sochi was in 2014, right? Because Pyeongchang was in 2018. So man, you were Correct. 11. How old were you? 10, 11? I was. Time? I was 13, turning 14 at the time. So I was actually still too uh, young. Oh, okay. Too gotcha. For sure. How, so you're 27 now? 27? My, my math is 24. Dude, my math is terrible. So 10 it's years from today. Yeah, you're 40. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. Holy cow. <laughs> um, nah, that's crazy, man. That's I, Watching Border Cross and, you know, Keith, I told you uh, more recently, you know, again, watched your uh, your X Games gold finish and just coming down that that end, you know, into the crowd with everybody cheering, you know, it's got to be the greatest feeling in the world. A border cost finish down to the wire. You know what I mean? Is there any better feeling, uh, Zach, than that? 
Not that I know of. Um, if there is, I'd love to know what it is because, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you grow up and you watch like action movies where like this movie star is like, you know, jumping out of the plane while it's exploding in the background. He's saving the girl at the same time. And you're like, oh man, like you kind of fantasize about moments like that, you know, growing up when like you're, you're it, right. You're the main character. And I feel like coming across the finish line and first while well, a bunch of people are just like losing their minds is pretty much the closest thing in reality that we have to like those main character moments. You know, it's why like it's why we all train for it is because like that's that's when you really feel like on top of the world. Right. Like you're the best. You just proved it by winning this race. You know, all these people are here. They're, they're screaming out. They're yelling. You know, some are chanting your names. People are getting ready to tackle you. Right. It's it's one of those. um one of those feelings that you're you're just so wrapped up in when it happens and like you can ride that high for <laughs> months dude i'm like i'm already thinking of some of the moments that i've gotten to to do that you know just a handful for me so far but still like those moments are uh, those moments when it all comes together is like definitely the best feeling i think life life can offer can't even imagine man, yeah, man. can't even imagine i i I couldn't agree more. I think um, there's only a handful of things out there that even compare, you know, and honestly, like half half of like, say, my career, for example, like not to bring it about myself, but like watching someone like Zach start at such a young age, knowing him as like little baby face Zach. I mean, he's still baby face Zach, for sure. Uh, but, you know, uh, seeing him kind of come into his own and see him really, really put in the effort and the work to to make the team and then, you know, do what he has to to hustle and grind to to pay bills while you know he's just trying to chase a dream is so impressive to me and and to get that chance to watch him actually you know succeed in the sport it's so cool man and then being someone who's also been able to have those moments like i mean i know exactly what he's going through in that very moment just like dude what just happened Oh my God, like, did this really just happen? You know, teammates are tackling you, people are cheering. Uh, it's so rad, you know, and he's, he's definitely a ripper, man. He's definitely one of my biggest competitors and uh, super stoked that he's on the team and has found his own within, within this world. And I'm glad he didn't go to soccer, bro. Like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so with, um, with your, your, your yearly, um, uh, why can't I think of the the world uh, the like the championship series? I mean, when you guys are over in Europe, what do you, what is it called? I'm sorry, Keith. Oh, uh, yeah. World Cup, you, world, world Cup circuit, world, world, world Cup circuit. Okay, is yeah. is the World Cup circuit more to you? Is the the Olympics, the Paralympics, more to you? Are, are you looking more forward to Italy in a few years, or is it just the World Cup circuit this year? This is number one on your mind. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Right now, like the season that we're going into is kind of considered like the off year um, because our our quad right every every four years, there's the games. Um, the first year is World Championships. The second year is just World Cups and World Cup finals. There's no titles. There's, uh, you know, there's no like big TV events. It's it's just racing. And then year three is World Championships again, because World Championships is every two years. And then after that, you have year four, which is, is the, uh, the Olympic and Paralympic year. And so, uh, so we're going into year two, which is kind of like, like I said, kind of that lull, that, that off year. Um, but for people who, you know, have been in the sport and have seen the numbers and have, have uh, you know, kind of had the experience, year two is like almost the sleeper year, 
right? Where if anything, the people who are really in it to win it are testing everything, right? Because we have three years until the games, which sounds like a long time, but it's actually not. So you really don't have like too much time to rest and take it easy and like have that off year if you want it. Obviously, like some people have obligations, they got families, they got big life events, and that usually is like a good time for them to take off because there's not much at stake. But like for athletes like me, like it's the time to to really start laying in the groundwork for the next three years. Because if you can start the habits now, if you can figure out what what boards are best for you and what techniques are the most successful for you and you know what you can consistently produce and, and get better at over the next three years, then, I mean, three years down the road when you've been practicing for that long, it, uh, it falls into place a little bit easier and uh, you, you, know, you, you increase your chances that much more. And so okay. for me, like this year is just all about like starting a new foundation that's really going to set me up for success. And one of the big things that I'm doing to kind of ensure that is picking up everything I own and moving out here to Utah. Um, we, uh, we recently had a big change for our team. Um, up until this last year, uh, the U S Paris snowboard team has been under the U S OPC as the national governing body. And, uh, over the course of the summer, we were signed over to uh, U.S. Ski and Snowboard Association. And so there's been a lot of new things to get used to. There's been a lot of different emails introducing different people, and it's kind of been a bit of a whirlwind. But uh, one of the things that's definitely become clear, especially this week, because Keith and I are both here in Utah uh, training here, um, is that we have access to some pretty unique resources that are specific to us, right? When we were with the USOPC, that was a much bigger organization and it had you know more resources but it also had a much bigger umbrella of all of the different sports that it governs and all of the different teams within those sports that it takes care of and has to budget for and has to provide gear for and everything and so kind of you know the joke i say is pair of snowboard we were like the redheaded stepchild of the family you know we were like the, sure. the ones that they would take care of really just because they had to um and and they really didn't uh they didn't focus a whole lot on really like developing our team and getting us access to the things that we really need. We just had, you know, access to all of their, their facilities. And every once in a while they throw us a bone with, you know, like a speaking engagement or connecting us with someone. Um, but now that we're under us ski and snowboard, we have this organization that's a little bit smaller, but is so much more in line with what we do and why we do it and the resources and the training tools that we need to, to be the best that we can. As, uh, that we can be at snowboarding. So we've come out here um, to train at, at one of the awesome facilities they have here in Utah, the center of excellence. And it's like, I mean, it's like the snowboarder's like perfect playground, right? You know, you got all your weights, you got plenty of stuff to bulk up. You also got like, you know, a literal gate to pull out of, to, to practice your starts in and see the data on how you're pulling and so that you can start messing with different techniques to pull out of the gate to ensure that, you know, whatever course we show up to, we'll be first out of the gate and first to turn one, you know, we'll earn that whole shot and massively increase our chances of, of winning and taking home more medals. And so, I mean, that's kind of the perfect lineup with what I was just talking about of like, this is also the time in the quad that like you, you need to be messing with this stuff as an athlete building. to right, start. Building. Yeah. To start, yeah. start building all that 100%. stuff for success. So for me, you know, I've been living in Colorado my whole life. I was born in Denver. I was raised up there. And uh, for the last, 
eight years have been living up in Summit County and training at Copper, you know, riding with Keith, riding with all these other guys. And, uh, and now we have these, these new resources and a lot of them are here based in Utah. And so I, you know, I don't, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't have any pets I need to, to worry about. So I'm just picking up everything and moving out here so I can focus 100% for the next three years on being the athlete that I want to be. And it's something that I'm super proud of because it's kind of been the dream that I've always like wanted to have. It's the lifestyle that I've always wanted to have. I'm, I'm 24 and I'm young and I've been in the sport for, you know, over a decade now, which is great. But one of the major, you know, compromises that I had to make was like, dude, I mean, anyone who, who, who knows anything about winter sports, skiing or snowboarding knows that like, it's not super accessible. Like, you know, there's that meme circulating on the internet where it's like, Hey dude, you want to come snowboarding? Like the lift tickets, 350 bucks rentals, another 250. You're going to fall on your ass all day, be covered in bruises. And you're going to hate yourself, dude. You're going to get a, you're going to get a sunburn somehow, even though it's overcast and you're going to be cold the entire time. Your fingers are going to fall off. Hey dude, why don't you come out? It's like going to be so much fun. Like kind of poking fun at like how expensive our sport is versus like the trade-off of like enjoyment you might get from it. Right. So it's not like the most accessible sport and that's one of the things that's especially tough for like me a, you know a kid living on my own having to worry about bringing in my own income so that i can buy that next heat pass so i can show up to that next race with a, a board and wax that's competitive and so for me like my entire snowboard career i've been like living at home with my parents over the summer to save money on rent i've been working in food service since i was 16 either brewing coffee or making bagels or recently bartending or making sandwiches for people like pouring beers is what got me enough money to travel the world and and represent my country and so like yeah if i needed to like pour 100 beers in a day and get 50 cent tips you know then if that was what it was going to take to like get back out on snow and get another chance at you know standing on the podium then i was going to take it and so it meant pinching pennies it meant saving up it meant you know being very conservative about myself, my future, my time and my money to, to make sure that I could still be a snowboarder at the end of the day. And, uh, and so now with these next three years coming up, like I'm 24, when I get to Italy, I'll be, you know, 27. And like, that's a, that's a pretty good year, like physically to be really competitive. Right. And so I, I want to maximize it as best as I can. And so I've been saving money just for the last 10 years, dude, just stockpiling nest egg and trying to strike up, you know, uh, deals with sponsors this year. I got a, I got a huge new sponsor signing with me. That's, uh, that, you know, they, they heard my story and they, they saw the drive that I wanted and they saw the goal that I had for myself and, you know, they offered to, to shake hands and, and help make that happen. So now I got, you know, think analytics on board and they're awesome. Like it was literally just this like telecommunications, uh, event that we were at. And it was this company that just sells software, but they, they heard what I was about and what I wanted. And then they, they were ready to jump in. So like, because of support like that, because of support that I've gotten from my family and then the support that I've gotten just from the team and my teammates, you know, the guys that I'm in the gate with that have been helping give me advice, you know, on like, Hey, like, here's what to prioritize at your age. Here are the things that like you should focus on because you know, they see it too. Right. And even though like we're competitors, when the gate drops, as soon as we cross the finish line, like 
that's gone. That's over. And now we're teammates and we're friends and we're these people who travel the world together and experience, you know, the highest highs and the lowest lows that life can give you. So like when you have bonds like that and people like that in your corner, um, it can set you up for some pretty amazing stuff. And for me, that means moving out here and finally getting to be like a professional athlete. So I'm looking forward to what the future holds. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the spot I've gotten myself into. Hell yeah, yeah super stoked, man. When you told me you were making the move to Utah, I was like, bro, it is about time. It is, yeah. about time. you know, <laughs> I sleep. I can't tell you how many, like, I can't tell you countless nights I've, I've had with Zach, you know, rooming together or whatever. And we're just having conversations like, dude, I'm, I just don't know what to do right at this very moment, you know, and like whatever it might be financial or whatever the case may be. And I like, at the end of the day, I'm not someone to give financial advice, but I can tell you to save your money and I can kind of help you prioritize things and stuff like that. And, uh, I, we really have had those long, long conversations just about life that, I think finally all of the pieces are finally coming together for him. And I mean, even today we were having this conversation about like how cool it is that we get to use this facility and we're actually seeing real data. And I go, bro, I've been waiting 13 years for this moment, <laughs> yeah. you know? And like, just, just to back up for anybody, uh, listen to thrash talk that doesn't know what the USOPC means. That's the U S Olympic and Paralympic committee. Um, uh, you know, and like I, like Zach said, the, the facilities are great, but they're also kind of a general facility for multiple sports. Whereas the facilities we have access to now are specifically for only ski and snowboard, no other sports. So to be able to finally get to see this data is so paramount. Like it is so paramount. I'm so excited to see what comes out of this for our team, for Zach, for myself. Um, and I'm super stoked for Zach that he's finally making these big boy moves and like <laughs> he's going out on his own, man. He's, he's, he's making the move that he knows is best for him. Uh, no one else. He's not, not to say he's not thinking about other people, but you know, he's my boy. Like he's, he's out there doing what's best for him at this very moment. And I'm so pumped for him, you know, like it, it takes a lot to like, uproot yourself for a career. And I did the same thing back in, you know, 2013, I uprooted from Utah to Colorado. So exact opposite, but the same exact thing, you know, a handful of snowboards and, and like four boxes to my name, didn't even have a car hitched a ride to Colorado, uh, to chase the dream. So I totally can relate and understand where he's at in this very moment, you know, and like you said, uh, second year in a quad. Sure. It's a perfect time. The only thing we have on the line this year is a globe. And the way it works, you know, either that's a big moment for it's always a big moment to win a globe, but some teams put more emphasis on that than say our team does. It's not necessarily like a criteria to make the US team. They look at your overall standings within world rankings and that sort of stuff. You know, and if it's a world championships here, they look at at your your performances there, which Zach freaking crushed it last season. Um, you know, absolutely cleaned house at world champs, which is not easy. It was terrible venue, rough, you know, 80, 70 degrees, what? snow. We had a river running down the next, next to the course. I mean, dangerous people were going out on stretchers and where was it at? Uh, you know, it was in La Molina, Spain, Okay, which is a place that I, I will publicly say I 
begged and pleaded to not have world championships there. I did everything in my power to stop that. And it still happened knowing that it's not a good venue. They, they don't have the infrastructure. Honestly, the food is rough. The volunteers are amazing. They put, they do whatever they can with the limited resources they have to put on a show and put on a course. But at the end of the day, you know, they don't have the snow. It's too hot. It's low altitude. Uh, it's just rough, man. It it's is a rough spot, but Zach was able rough. to keep it together in a couple comps and really come home with, with some very important medals. Zach, man. Um, you know. I, so I want to, I want to go back to park city real quick, but actually, no, let me, let, let's go back to park city in a second, bringing home those medals at world champs. I mean, that's what you want. That, that's what won you the SB, right? So, uh, SB for, uh, 20, was it 2023 best para athlete, man? Yeah. It's what, it's what got me nominated. Um, well, it's what got me the, uh, the athlete adaptive athlete of the year award with us ski and snowboard. And so I, I got to, you know, come out here cause they did actually did it here in park city and get up on stage and, and give a small speech to accept the award. But then that was what got me my nomination for the SB. And then was able to get enough votes. And so it was kind of this, yeah, like world champs is where it started. It was just this domino effect of like yeah. a great achievement that led to some other great things that, yeah, ultimately ended in that SB. And so it's uh, <laughs> not anything I expected to do over the summer, but something I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. very All grateful right. for. Check this out. You got to tell me. Okay. So who did you sit next to at the SBs? Who did you sit next to? Were you next to anybody that you were like, oh shit, man, look over there. That's this person. Who were you next to? I was sat next to my mom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay <laughs> uh, I called okay. it. I called it. I was, man. She was my plus one for the event. Love and it, uh, it. yeah, it meant a lot for, for me to, to be there because, you know, she's like the OG sponsor, right? She's the, of course. The, of course. The, the supporter that was there from before day one, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, when we, when we found out we were getting invited out there, we, you know, I, didn't know if I had won yet, just that I was one of the nominees sure. and that they, you know, had a seat for me at the ESPYs. And so I was like, all right, mom, like you got to find a nice dress cause you're joining me. And so, you know, we got to walk the red carpet together and, and be there at the show. And so like, she's, I mean, in that entire room, she's the person I'd want to sit next to most anyways. So that's amazing, special man. for sure. That's amazing, dude. All right. But other than your mom, if you could have sat next to somebody at the ESPYs, if you could have chose who you sat next to, who would it have been? Like, is it LeBron James? Is it uh, Serena Williams? Michael Phelps? Who would you have picked if you could pick to sit next to somebody at the ESPYs? Who would it have been? And then why? Who Tell me why, too. Picked? Yeah, that's yeah. a really good question. Oh, man. If I had to pick someone, well, it's tough, right? Because I looked at the nominee list, some of the, some of the people that I was going to be there at the event with. And there were two names that stood out to me, right? The first one, going back to the soccer roots, Lionel Messi was up for best male athlete and best soccer player. And so I was like, if he's there and I see him and I'm in the same room, I was just going to freak out, right? And then uh, the other athlete that was high up on that list that I was stoked to just see my name next to, um, he's, this, uh, he's this younger kid may not have heard of him um he drives for like this uh this like weird energy drink company red 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 something oh yeah um he's the number one driver for uh red bull f1 team 
His name is Max Verstappen, and currently, over the last two years, he's been mopping the floor with everyone else on the grid. I actually have a Red Bull Racing hat on my head right now um, because I've been a huge fan of F1 and watching that dude just literally operate on a whole nother level with the world's best. You know, I was like, is Max Verstappen going to be at the ESPYs? So, like, if I, yeah, if I could have chose someone to sit next to, like, I absolutely would have sat there and been like, yeah, so <laughs> tell me about the car, right? Um, unfortunately, neither of those guys ended up showing up. Um, Max had a week or had a, had a race later that week, and Messi was obviously busy winning everything in the MLS. Do, so, doing the Messi stuff. Yeah, yeah but those, right. those were the two guys that I was, I was most eager to, to see. No, I love it, man. Great answer. Great answer. Um, and then, yeah, again, pulling back to the Park City, what are you most excited about about moving to Park City other than the snowboarding? You talked about the center of excellence. You talked about, um, you know, everything that it's going to do for your career there. But on a personal level, is there any, like, thing personal bringing you to Park City? Is there, are you excited about the team that's already present there? Uh, maybe about the food? I don't know. Um, is there anything else that's kind of pulling you that way? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, um, So where I'm moving to is actually still kind of within salt lake city um it's it's just like right next to the mouth of the canyon um so i mean my commute to to the coe in park city is going to be like 15 20 minutes um so definitely still right there uh which is nice but uh, i would say one of the the bigger reasons why i'm also being drawn here is i have a hobby that is far too expensive um if anyone else has it as well they will totally understand um i am huge into motorcycles. I love them. Uh, I've always wanted to have like have one growing up. And there was a, there was a brief two years when, uh, my dad got himself, my brother and me dirt bikes. And at the time I was still so young. I was like, again, like 13, 14 at the time that I just had like a 50 CC four stroke Honda with three gears and the automatic clutch. Um, you know, it was, it was a glorified like pit bike, right? It was a little scooter. And, uh, that was kind of my only experience that I got on like two wheels. Um, but I loved it. I just wanted to know what it was like to be out on the road and like focusing more on the technique rather than the muscle. Like when you're riding a dirt bike, you're just like pushing that thing through courses and through the trees. But when you're on like a, you're on a motorcycle, like a street bike, like especially one of those like crotch rockets, right? Like it's so much power at your hands, but you have to you have to be conscious. You have to be committed to it. You have to be careful and intentful with the way that you use it. And when you are able to use it well, you can do some amazing things, right? If anyone's ever seen like a clip of MotoGP athletes chasing each other across the track, like they're dragging their knees in every turn. But some sometimes now these guys are so crazy. They're like getting so far off the bike down, you know, down to the ground that they're dragging their shoulder through these turns, like literally coming back with wear on their shoulder pads because they're just like ripping it through turns at like 120 miles an hour. Right. And so, so I always just, just really looked up to those guys of like that. That's like, that's maturity. That's mastery to be able to have the athletic prowess to control a machine, right. With that much power. And of course me, like growing up with CP, like I didn't have a lot of power at my disposal in my body, like, especially for dirt biking, like that just, that literally kicked my ass. Like I was really struggling, you know, coming home from like just a day of trail riding, trying to keep up with my brother. And I was like, I feel like on a motorcycle, like 
the odds would kind of almost be even a little bit because it's all about your throttle control. It's all about your, your technique. And so three years ago, I got my first motorcycle and Keith actually helped me get it. <laughs> um, he was there to, to help support me when I reached out to him. I was like, yo, is this a good bike? And he was like, that's a good bike. And he gave me his blessing to go and pick this thing up. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I started riding that for it. Yeah, <laughs> I literally I, I like, came up to him. Parents I was okay like, with this? He's like, my mom's not, but like, right, I'll I'll give you the loan. Yeah, I hit him up. I was like, dude, I found this thing. It's on Craigslist. It's amazing. It's the, like it's the bike that I want, but like it's gonna go fast because it's for a really good deal. I just don't. I like literally just need like five hundred more bucks. And he was like, Zach, and I was like, I know, but like I've done the research. Like, let me tell you about it. And I like gave him this whole pitch, and he was like, All right, like you already got your gear squared away. Everything like. I want to see you like do what you love. So he, yeah, he like granted me the money and I was like, sweet, I'll pay you back Friday. Went and picked up the bike, paid him back Friday and then uh, started riding on two wheels. And since then I've just like learned even more about bikes, fallen more in love with them. Um, I've actually picked up a second motorcycle, which is an old SV650 that's literally was born the same year I was. And uh, to take it out to the track and start to learn how to race on two wheels. Because again, like everything comes back to racing and how I'm obsessed with it. But out here in Utah, you have a, a few more days out of the year to, to ride around on two wheels. Um, there's some amazing twisties because obviously you got some beautiful canyons that are nearby in the backyard. And they have a they have Utah Motorsports Campus here too. So I'll be able to get back on track and start dragging some knees there. And, uh, and there's just a huge bike scene here, right? Tons of people are into it. They allow filtering here. So you can actually like get up to the front at stoplights and get a, get open road for the next stretch. So, I mean, all that's super nice. And especially like in Colorado, Keith can vouch for this. The drivers there are questionable with those licenses. Um, and, uh, and so I've loved riding out there, but definitely coming here, that's going to be something I'm going to have a lot more time for. And, We'll be able to take a bit more advantage of. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that Utah drivers are any better. You've seen for a week how rough <laughs> yeah, it is here. But I true. know you're a ninja on that bike, so I've got all the faith in you. And I, to your credit, like going back to when you're making the purchase, like if anyone does their research, it's Zach. It's there's times where I'm like, Zach, have you researched this piece of equipment? Like, can you talk to me about it? You know, my a lot of times it's like technology stuff because again i'm a boomer and uh, <laughs> i i don't uh, necessarily do all of the research or it's just so much i can't handle it but i i can shoot him a quick message and he's like oh yeah dude check this out blah 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 so when he had told me he was into bikes i was like are you sure he's like dude I, i've done all the research and i was like okay i trust that because i know you have you've already gotten your stuff and then yeah i was like does your mom want you to have it and he's like absolutely not and i was like well cool, i'll give you the money yeah. <laughs> like who else are you gonna that's turn most to, good bro? friends too yeah <laughs> dude your, your, your instagram's so, uh, sick man your instagram's sick i i was uh going through a bunch of the videos earlier today and, and late last week man but yeah i mean it's there that bike that bike content's up man maybe looking for a bike sponsorship soon dude i would love to i uh yeah i've i've been told um someone in the in the biker community was approached by revit uh the company that makes some some extra accessories and really just like riding gear and they were like hey do you know of any riders that are like a little more clean cut you know not about like breaking all the rules and you know posting disrespectful stuff up on the internet but like actually you know you can tell have a passion for the sport and they were like oh yeah there's this one guy like the mountain miller you should check him out and so fingers crossed right something might happen from that That'd be, that would be the dream if i had snowboard sponsors and then motorcycle sponsors that would uh be pretty awesome it, but 
it's content creation, man. You're putting out the content and people are sponsoring, sponsoring content creators now. And I mean, rightfully so. And as long as you're doing it right and you're getting the likes, the follows, the clicks, you know, sponsor away. I think they should be. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if I had known that social media was going to be such a big part of like the, the pro athlete lifestyle, I maybe would have given it a second thought. Cause like, I've never really been about like creating content, entertaining other people. Like I was, I fell in love with snowboarding because of how it made me feel right. I love the feeling that I was, that I got when I was out on snow and kind of the anonymity too was nice. Like all growing up, right. I was this, uh, as this kid with a physical disability, you know, and it's so, like, because of that, I wasn't picked first, you know, during PE class and, and stuff like that made, made having friends a little bit more complicated and snowboarding was like one of the first experiences that I had where like, you know, out there you're covered from head to toe in gear, you know, people can't tell who you are. They can't see your face. They don't, they don't know your backstory. They, all they see is how you ride and you're judged on that. Like when you're just carving down and like dragging your, you know, your arm across the snow and you're just having fun. You're popping one eighties. Like you got music going, you're vibing people on the chairlift, like notice that. Right. And they're like, cheer you on because that's the whole reason we're all out there. Right. And so like when I got to have that experience on a snowboard, like all of a sudden I was like, wait, like I get to be my own person out here. I have like this kind of safe space where like, I'm no longer Zach Miller, the disabled kid. I'm just a kid out here in like bright yellow pants. So his mom can see him in a rental black jacket because it's all he can afford. That's just like making turns and having fun. And people were vibing with that. That's what drew me into, into the sport in the first place. That's why I fell in love with snowboarding was I loved the feeling. And I loved that like security of it, that I could just be who I wanted to be and do what I loved. And now that I've gotten older and have started chasing after, you know, podiums and, and got myself on the team, that's one of like kind of the harsh realities of it is like you need support. And the best way to get that support is to have a platform and you need to build that. Like you need to put effort into it. And it's a lesson I've been learning over the past few years. But uh, that compliment means a lot because it means that, you know, number one, that the effort I've been putting into social media is is something that I can you know, be proud of that people will take a look at and be like, Oh, like that's what this kid is about. This is sick. Like, obviously he, he takes pride in what he puts out there and, and what he does for a living. And so it's, uh, yeah, something I've definitely had to get used to, but now it's, uh, it's definitely something I embrace because now ironically, almost snowboarding has helped give me confidence in my identity. Right. At first I loved the fact that it hit it. And now I can be like, yeah. Hi, how's it going? My name is Zach Miller. I'm 24 years old. I was born with cerebral palsy and like, this is what I do. And now I can, that's something I can be proud of and that I can share and that other people will hear about and just be stoked on. So like, it's this awesome reversal, right? Of like how it started versus how it's going and kind of in the best way. So something I'm very proud of. Love it, brother. Love it. Yeah. He's, he's definitely like our content guy. I'll be making a reel or something. I'll be like, Zach, what do you think? He's like, well, maybe like, let's try this a little bit. And you know, it gives me, gives me helpful hints and my social media platform sucks. I'm terrible at it. And to be honest, like I'm not the biggest fan of it. I'm out there doing things and I don't always pull out the, the camera or the phone trying to get better at it. 
but uh you know zach is definitely like our team tech guy who who can definitely look at some social media stuff for you real quick and be like well maybe maybe try it this way or start start it here with this video instead of that one or, or that picture or whatever but you have any issues with any of your equipment as well usually you can figure it out in a moment's notice Exhausting. Man, I love it. I love it. It's exhausting. It's gotta be me and got, Keith are old. We're like, uh, I don't know. He's he's gotta take care of the boomers on the team. Man. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're kinda we're... <laughs> just this yeah. summer that actually happened. Yeah. Evan Evan called me and he's like, Hey man, like I'm trying to mess with this new Samsung laptop I got, but like it's weird. It'll like start to turn on and then it won't work. And I'm like, okay, like when it happens, do you see Samsung show up? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So then your computer's booting. And he's like, cool. I have no idea what that means. And I was like, all right, unplug it, let the laptop die, plug it back in. And then when you see Samsung, just like mash the delete key. And like anyone who knows anything like about computers and, and like their BIOS and, and the software and how they work, like that's how you get into like basically the operating system, the BIOS of the computer. And so like I got him into that and I'm like, okay, adjust this, this, this is how you're going to boot it. And then from there on, it should work. And like, five minute phone call and he was like dude you fixed it you're amazing all right bye and just like hung up and i was like yep this is my role now like yeah uh, yeah I'm just I'm guy. yeah <laughs> tell me troubleshoot pretty much <laughs> zach do you think like how much of a role has technology played in your life especially growing up like you said not the kid that always got picked first on the team growing up with cerebral palsy and all that kind of stuff like were you someone who found that solace in like video games and learning about tech and being a part of like a world that kind of was that even playing field for you or was it just something that you just wanted to do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, at first, you know, I, I, I grew up in a home that was kind of like much more traditional, like go out and play soccer, don't play video games, right? There's no future for you in that. And while I can totally understand like where that mentality and that logic came from back then, it's completely changed how I look at the world of technology and especially video games. Because as I got older, that like kind of love for video games never really went away. Uh, for me personally, what drew me to them was kind of the same aspect of snowboarding that like you're behind a screen, you have your gamer tag, you know, and you can choose what you want that to be. And the only thing that matters is like how many kills you're dropping in a Call of Duty lobby or how fast you're going in a racing game. And if you're crossing the finish line first, like it's objective and it's, it is that level playing field that I've always been really attracted to. And so growing up, like the passion was always there. And as I started to get older too, and like moved out on my own, right. I was like, I, I then had a little bit more time for video games. And so I, you know, my brother helped me. We went to micro center one day and we built myself a custom PC. And, and so I started playing video games on that. And one of the big reasons why I still really enjoy video games and why I still play them is for me, like you go out and you have your day, you know, you're working out or like for me, you know, the last few summers, right. I'm like going and bartending, I'm standing on my feet for nine hours a day. And I come back, I got work tomorrow. My shift starts early you know, I'm tired. So I don't like have the the energy to like run outside and play a game of soccer, or even just like throw some weights around in my room. But I still need like some stimulation, like I'm a competitive person by heart, right? So like, I need something that can still give me that like that rush, and that competitive, you know, edge, but isn't something that I have to like, 
go outside and do that. I have to expend more energy. Cause like, I'm just, I've had a full day, right? I just want to be able to like either relax and enjoy a story or like jump in with one of my friends and just like play a game and have some fun. Right. And so then I would boot up video games. And one of the biggest aspects I think that video games brings to the table that a lot of people underestimate is actually the social connection behind them. Like now all of a sudden you're connected to this, you know, to the world. Basically you can connect with someone on the other side of the world and play a match with them in your favorite video game. And just, you know, using your comms or even just like a little chat box, you can start to learn things about them and you, you find teammates that you play well with. And so you, you know, you send them a friend request, you hop into a party with them, you're talking to them in your headset while you're playing video games. And before you know it, like you can have best friends that know everything about you and you still like haven't even met them in person. And when I explain that concept to people, a lot of times they're like, yeah, like that's not a real friendship. And I'm like, no, like these people know more about me than like most other closer people in my life. Like the people I work with or the people I go to school with, or even the people that I snowboard with on a regular basis. Like these people have seen more from me and heard more about me just in like talking about our day while we're, you know, playing a game together. And so then I, I started to see like a lot of the potential that video games had. And then I started to meet really cool people through video games. And then before you know it, I'm stuck in a house during COVID and there's nothing to do. You can't really go outside. So how are you still going to get that, you know, that stimulation to, to still have consistent mental health, right? And video games were able to fill that niche for not just me, but like a lot of people, there's been this huge explosion recently with video games and communities within those games. Um, and so one of the big things that came out of like that whole situation was, you know, me and, uh, my development coach at the time, we're sitting in a house, you know, and we're just waiting for, for COVID to pass. And we watched NASCAR decide to host a charity race. A uh, couple drivers like built some little setups at home, got a, got a wheel and they even had their spotters join in on it. And they had like this whole virtual race, right? All the proceeds went to charity. It was entertaining for the drivers. It gave them something to do, but it was also entertaining for the audience because now like their favorite drivers were racing again, even though it was virtual, like it was, it was something to watch. And then you got to see like this whole explosion with esports, also like starting to take the main stage right? Like since COVID I've like walked into bars and seen like rocket league tournaments playing behind the bar. Yeah. And like, I, of course, like, I wish I could go back in time and like show some of my teachers and be like, <laughs> like, see, there actually was like a future and it's fair. Like a lot of people underestimated the potential of them, but that's, that's what draws a lot of people to video games is like, if you can just get good at mastering some inputs, if you can learn to read how the game flows and anticipate what's coming next, you can become great at something that otherwise, like you never would have, you never would have found. Right. And so then from, from there, me and, uh, me and my development coach at the time, Daniel Gale, we, we struck up a conversation with Logitech and they brought in some, some other people from able gamers, this uh, organization that, that makes like custom equipment for people with severe disabilities to be able to play video games. So like they build them custom joysticks or controllers that allow them to play video games. Um, and like, we got Mount Sinai in on it to actually create like a classification system and make a level playing field, regardless of how your disability affected your, your abilities within the video game. 
And now there is an official adaptive esports league that gives people with disabilities an actual competitive world stage to show what they're capable of on. And like that to me is like one of the most beautiful things about something like that, right? Like there are dudes who are quadriplegic, they're paralyzed from the neck down, they have very little movement. And yet, like someone like Quadnik, this dude who got famous in Rocket League because he uses like origami claws on the fingers that he can move and his face to play Rocket League. And he's better than like 98% of the player base. Like he will wipe the floor with you unless you're like a select group of people that are really good at the game, right? You got dudes who are posting clips on Twitch of like 180 no scopes across the freaking map, taking whole squads out and they're using their chin to fire those shots. Like that is so cool when you can like come from whatever walk of life and have this equal opportunity to be great at something. And so like, that was just one of the huge reasons why like I've still to this day, like we'll stand by it. Like I am a nerd. I play tons of video games and I'm proud to do it. And I will talk for days on end about different video games and stuff because it's, it is a genuine interest. It's a cool hobby. It's, it's a career for people too now. And it's awesome for me to see that. Heck yeah, man. I love how excited you are about it. This is so cool to see how excited you are. Um, and probably one of your greatest accomplishments is, is, you know, setting that up and being a part of, of building that, that, you know, hand, hands down hats off to you. Uh, Keith, I cut you off there. What's up, man? Oh, you didn't cut me off at all. I I'm just super oh. stoked that he actually talked about the adaptive esports. Thing. Yeah. Like I was, I was really hoping that he would bring it up. And if he didn't, I was going to ask him about it because like you, I think it's freaking sick. It's like so back cool. in the day, Zach would be this full on gamer kid on the road with us. And I'm like, dude, do something with your life. He's like, I am, I'm enjoying it. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I caught him watching video games, like online, like other people playing. I was like, are you watching other people play? And he's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. He's, and I was like, okay, bro, explain it to me. Cause I don't get it. I understand. It's like this whole new generational thing where kids like to watch other people play video games. And I just don't understand it. He's like, well, like you can learn stuff about it. Like these guys are really good. So they have all these like tips and tricks, blah, blah, blah. Plus like bro, you watch professional sports, don't you? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, it's kind of like that. Like I'm watching someone perform at the highest level. And like, that was an aha moment for me. I was like, I'll never forget that conversation because up until that point, I was like, God, we got some dummies coming up. Right. <laughs> but once he explained that to me, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of get it. It's like something they enjoy doing. It's like, I like to throw the football around or whatever. And then you know, on Sunday, maybe I'll watch a game or two or something like that. Or I like to snowboard and maybe you're just that average person out on the mountain, but then you watch X games, you know, it's that same concept of like watching the best in the world do something that you enjoy doing. And then when we were in Chile, like we really got into it. He started showing me these Mortal Kombat one competitions and we were both just like, come on. Like I'm freaking <laughs> out. I actually got into it with him and like, I get it. You know, it took a while. It took a while. I'm a boomer as you'll say, but, uh, That's so you cool. know, it, it took a while, but I'm into it. You know, I'm stoked that he has it, you know, uh, for sure, man. That, that's amazing. Zach. So I need you to explain one thing that my kids are doing to me then maybe, uh, you're, so you're 12 years older than my daughter. Can you explain to me why she watches people unbox toys on YouTube? Why does she watch? Can you explain that to me? It like, so I, I was feeling the same thing as Keith about watching my kids also watch people play video games, but can you explain the unboxing thing? I like that's, it's beyond me. Please tell me that's after that's, that's, uh, it's after your time as well. Uh, 
Potentially, yeah. I don't know if I see the same appeal in unboxing. Like, it's cool that you're unwrapping this. Um, but, you know, there are there are actually some helpful videos out there on YouTube from people who are kind of the first to review something and are able to ah. give you kind of that hands-on look, right? Um, for me, I'll give you a current example, right? So, like, unboxing videos uh, tend to be rather clickbaity. Um, they just want to show off that they have this nice new expensive thing. Um, but something that I'm keeping a close eye on is, uh, again, back to like video games being one of my big hobbies. One of the ways that I've chosen to kind of invest in that for some, some good fun is I've built a driving simulator in, in my apartment. And so, um, it's pretty cool. It's, I got this whole wheel set up with like force feedback. So you actually, you know, you get information through the way the wheel handles to to be able to drive a car um and they're coming out with some really cool stuff right this year uh, a company called fanatech is releasing these new direct drive wheel systems that uh you got to bolt down to you know your rig and they have these super strong very you know like finely tuned motors in them that are capable of putting out some serious torque, like literally like the same torque as like a 50 CC motor, right. That these things are able to spin with. And, uh, and so they're coming out with these new things that are just like that much more realistic. Like we're starting to like almost blur the lines between like a sim race and like driving the real thing. Sure. Right. And so with technology coming out like that, one of the things that I like to do, like, you know, is my research, right? I like to look up everything about these, figure out, you know, what, what companies offer, what products that have, you know, whatever features. And one of the best ways to do that is to watch someone actually take the product out of the packaging and review it, you know, and actually like be able to explain to you, like, this is the build quality. Like here's some of the screws that were loose on mine, like out of the box. So there's some potential quality control issues here that you might need to be aware of. Give your stuff, you know, like when, you, whenever you decide to order this for yourself, make sure you give it a good look over. You might have to send it back. Um, and then, you know, people will set it up and they'll just give you kind of their first impressions and first impressions aren't always the best way to figure out whether or not you should buy something. Um, but just being able to like actually see what that product will look like, how it will arrive and, a lot of times how to set it up as well. Um, you know, tech is getting pretty complicated these days and sometimes it's helpful to like watch a dude just like set something up and be like, these are the connections you need to be worried about. These are the things you need to be real, like careful with. They're fragile. If you break this, you got to order the whole thing all over again. So there's definitely, uh, some, some value right to that. It's a way to be able to, to see something before you get your hands on it Okay, and right. to make an educated decision. So I didn't expect that complex of an answer, like, and, and I want to go a hundred different ways off of it, but I'm just going to go back to the, <laughs> the simulator in your house, man. Like, have you seen the new Gran Turismo? Are you trying to be a dry, like what's happening here? I love it. The Gran Turismo movie was cool for me, but it's not my, uh, not my thing. So being an outsider, I'm like, Oh, that's cool as hell. You know? Uh, I, what'd you think? Was it, uh, was it okay? Was it an acceptable movie or, or no? Overall, I was a fan of the movie for sure, because okay. it did a good job of, uh, starting to destigmatize the, like, you know, like the, at first, you know, they, they highlighted the relationship of like 
the the main protagonist of the film and his relationship with his father you know his father was like get outside and like work in the train yard with me like actually do something with your life you're wasting all your time in in your room like driving in this video game that doesn't matter and obviously you know he goes on to get a seat driving for Nissan and competing so, in Le Mans 24 yeah. hours like it's it's a good story that does a good job of of highlighting that right that like yes video games are very much a, a potential career for a lot of people, whether it's developing them, whether it's just playing them, or whether, like the movie, they can lead to actual real-life opportunities outside of the video game. And it definitely with some of these games, dude, let me tell you, like, they're getting pretty wild. Like, I can watch a Formula One race and hear them talk about the technical specs of the car and the, the tires and their carcass temps and surface temps and degradation and where, and I can understand what they're talking about because I played a racing game, right? So like, there are things you can also learn through video games that will still help you in the real world, even when you're not, you know, on your, your computer, when you're not playing. And uh, so I was, I was a fan of the movie in that regard. I will, however, say this, one of my biggest pet peeves in cinematic history is you see this a lot in like uh in um you know the the fast and furious movies right you're racing and you know you're coming down to the final line and there's the finish line and the drivers are looking back and forth and you know it like cuts back right to like a scene from his childhood or like when he almost died right and there's this whole dramatic scene that plays out i still don't mind that this is where it really gets me we snap back to the current moment. Everything is on the line. He must win this race. And with the most determined look, he grips the wheel, pushes the clutch in, downshifts, slams the gas and lets the clutch out. And the car, you know, roars to life and he's finally able to pull ahead. And I'm like, are you trying to tell me that you're in the wrong gear? Like... What? What? The whole time? <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me you were like just cruising in sixth when you could have like had a few more revs in fifth and like downshifting back to fifth got you the torque you need. You're a bad driver if you had to shift back a gear to win a race. Like, dude, I've always hated that about movies. And I was like, Gran Turismo is trying to like be an accurate depiction. So it's not going to do that. And five times, five times, dude, this movie does that, man. Like to the, like literally it, it's like one of the climaxes of the movie, right? He's like racing in 24 hour Le Mans and he has this like kind of almost PTSD attack and he completely stops driving and like cars are just passing it. Oh yeah. And of course, you know, spoiler alert, he's able to snap back into it retake control of the situation. He's got this new sense of confidence and he drives it to the podium. And I'm like, okay, also following racing, knowing enough about cars. If you just like take your foot off the gas for a solid five minutes, like you can't just win after that, dude. Like that's, that's disrespectful to the other drivers that are there you know, on the track. If like this dude can just have a whole, you know, moment to himself where he's not even paying attention and then I can snap back and like beat you like these other drivers, they fought, you know, to have that seat too. So, you know, some, some pros and cons there. Try not to get too carried away, but I, I love the feedback. Sleep, you had to bring it up. Uh, I, so, yeah, this is a learning. This is a learning experience for me. It's perfect. It's great content, right? So we were talking about earlier. 
Um, but yeah, no, it's perfect. Keith, man. Um, there's a couple other things that, that really resonated when you were talking about gaming and I kind of wanted to tie it back to, uh, shredding sassy. And that's the social club that, that I'm a part of and and that I, I really enjoy being a part of the community. And you talked about the gaming community and the connections that you've made in the gaming community with people that you've, you've never met in real life. And in, in the Shredding Sassy Social Club, I feel I've made a lot of those same connections uh, with people that share a love uh, of action sports. And and me, I'm, I'm an enthusiast, man. I like to skate. I like to snowboard. Um, I like talking about it. I like talking to people that, that like to do it. I like learning about new places, new things. Um, I talk in Twitter X spaces for two hours a day about, about stuff like this. And the people that I've met in the Shredding Sassy Social Club and in I'm just going to call it crypto Twitter or web three Twitter have been some of the best people I've met in my life. Um, I've felt a sense that with some of them, not all of them, that I can be more vulnerable than I am with my neighbor down the street that I have beers with every day. I can be more vulnerable. I can open up more. I resonate more with them because we connect on this level of getting out there, really, um, you know, pushing the limit, uh, pushing ourselves to, to grow in one way or another, whether it's to become a better skater, a better snowboarder, or, or to just get out there and, and learn new things. So, um, that really resonated with me. And, uh, and I hope that, you know, one day, you know, I know that, that you're with us on sassy and, and one day that you can jump in and kind of get that feeling as well, because man, it is so cool to get on, get on the line with uh, a guy from Cairo talking about windsurf and man, I never windsurfed in my life, but just to hear how excited he is as a, a like a beginner to uh, intermediate level windsurfer and just talking about his day and getting out there, man, I am stoked to hear about that because man, I want to learn too. I want to know more. So I just, I feel so, there's so many similarities there. It's like a connection with, uh, you know, just other passionate people. Uh, and the connection is, you know, extreme sports in one way or the other, you know, uh, and I just, just to add on to that, I couldn't agree more. You know, I've, I've met some pretty rad people in the sassy community, both virtually and in person. I've been fortunate enough to be at a few of those in-person, in-real-life events. Uh, had to learn what IRL meant at one point because, again, boomer. But, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more, Sleep. I, I, you know, I love the community, and it's what really drew me in was getting to, to experience one of my passions, which is snowboarding, with a bunch of other passionate people. And, like, yeah, they're not pros, but, dude, they, there's some rippers in the sassy community, first of all. Like, some legit rippers could go pro if they wanted to. Probably don't actually want to uh, for one reason or another. But um, also just those people that just love the mountains or love the shred or just love being outdoors. I mean, that's some of the stuff that I love the most about snowboarding. So getting to connect with them and be, you know, granted it's, it's, I'm not a gamer, so I can't really compare it to the gaming community, but hearing Zach talk about that, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Like that is such a cool connection and, and it's a great comparison as to what, what we're doing with those guys. Agree, agree. And gals. And and another thing I wanted to bring back to, and Keith, I don't know if you know too much about this because this all happened this week. So uh, in the Shredding Sassy community, we have uh, a treasury of funds that that we can kind of use however however we want. 
And we actually were, were lucky enough this week to sponsor a youth snowboard team out of Minnesota. Uh, they're called the Minnesota Select Snowboard Club. It's an up and coming snowboard team of riders 13 and under. There's six of them and we paid their competition entry fees for the whole year. So we'll be one of their uh, key sponsors. Uh, the Shredding Sassy Social Club, not the brand itself, but the community of Shredding Sassy sponsored them. Uh, just so stoked, man. They 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 uh, showed us a whole video. It is uh, a guy in the community is the, the head coach for it. He's also a professional um, uh, wake surfer. Shout out, Dan. Uh, but I mean, it's just so cool to to provide that. And, and what he said, like his mission was at Minnesota Select Snowboarding is to give people that ability to snowboard that didn't have that ability to before. So looking at yourself as a kid, you mentioned that, you know, not everybody has the opportunity. Not everybody has the funds to go out and snowboard. He wants to make snowboarding like baseball for kids in Minnesota. He wants it to be like, Hey, you've never thrown a ball for before. Hey, I'm signing you up for baseball. Anyway, get out there and learn. He wants to make that snowboarding. Um, so I'm really excited to, to be able to sponsor these kids, get them in the competition. His daughter's a little shredder. Uh, she was on a, a bunch of, podiums on the regional scene last year made it to nationals and uh and i guess she crushed it she was the youngest in her class uh age-wise so this year uh hopefully we can get a podium out of her as well at nationals that'd be pretty cool uh but if not it, it doesn't matter it's just doing it for the kids and just such a cool thing to be a part of i'm really excited to watch them grow this year and uh and continue to provide value to them if we can as a social club as a collective of people interested in uh, progressing our sports, interested in uh, in growing as people, man. Dude, that's sick! I can't believe I missed all that. I mean, I've been pretty busy in IRL stuff, but um, I'm I'm actually really bummed that I missed any and all of that. And just now, I'm hearing about Keith. It, it just happened in like the last uh, three days, dude. You're good. You're good. You guys have been training. You're at uh, camp this week. Um, it happened in the last three days, but I'm glad the live reaction. I love how it. Cool. Yeah. Dude, so cool. I mean, that's what it's about. Like, we all know the industry is rough. And the fact of the matter is it's not cheap, just like what Zach's saying. You know, there's, there's plenty of memes out there that make fun of it. And uh, the fact that you, there is something out there that actually allows for someone to get the chance, maybe for the first time, or to just be able to get out there, have fun, or get into, like, a competition setting, you know we're changing lives one day at a time. You know, I, I'm so proud to be a part of that. It's so cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. To, to add to that, I mean, for me, just, uh, in, in my life, um, a sense of community has always been a huge motivating factor for me to get out of my comfort zone and try new things. Um, you know, to, to name a few that the Paralympic community has been insane with just how it's opened doors for me and changed my life because yeah, growing up, like I was kind of the odd man out. And then when I started riding with people that had physical disabilities that were in the same boat as me, but like came from all these different walks of life. And we ended up in the same place because of this shared passion of getting out and snowboarding. Like that creates this sense of, of community of camaraderie that, we really do need as human beings. Like one of the basic human needs is just like a sense of belonging, a sense of community, right? When we work together, we can do so much better than anything that we can accomplish on our own, right? And communities play the biggest role in that. You know, I had the Paralympic community, I had the snowboard community, 
And hearing, you know, news like that just gets me amped and it makes me stoked to be a part of Shredding Sassy Social Club because like, it's not just a community that, that provides like a, a sense of belonging or, or just like a basic community where you can, where you can meet people and, and share those, those same interests. It does provide that, but it actually goes a step further and makes active change happen in its community and hearing, you know, something like that, that we're actually, you know, sponsoring kids to get out and compete and make it accessible for them. Like that's what changes the world. Even if it's just a little bit at a time, even if it is like he said, like one life at a time, that's something that can have a huge lasting change. And I'm like kind of a huge example of that. Had I not been given communities growing up that helped push me, that helped encourage me, you know, that gave me the the chance to pursue a, a dream of snowboarding, I never would have taken this on because it's not something I could have done alone. It's not even something I could have done with my family. Like I needed people to help step in to encourage me and to help, you know, open some of those doors. And so that's why, uh, yeah, that's why Shredding Sassy is just a notch above the rest is like, it's not just a, a, a social club. It's not just a group of people, um, who love something. It's, it's people who want to see the world be a better place and people who are willing to make that happen. So that's, that's rad news to hear. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for that feedback. Yeah. And th I mean, the, the team behind it, uh, they're out there, obviously, you know, Ollie, uh, Josh, Jay grab They're they're doing the darn thing, but you know, it's the connections and the community that have made it as big as it is. And I want to say as big as it's going to be, it's going to be huge and it's all going to be based on that, that community and, and their drives, their passions and, and what they're bringing to this world. So, you know, uh, hats off to yeah. the whole community. Bro, I couldn't have said it better. Definitely couldn't have said it better. And you know, it's the community that fires me up. Like we've been on enough, uh, X spaces where I just get fully amped talking about the community. And I mean, we sponsored Ash this last week, didn't we, to get him to his next comp as well. You know, Ash is, is you know, uh, making a fight for the next Olympics in surfing. And it sounded like he was kind of on the fence, whether or not he was going to go to this qualifier. Uh, not a games qualifier, but the next step qualifier. Uh, and it sounded like it came down to finances. And it sounds like us, along with some, some other uh, entities out there, are going to make it happen for him, which is a you know, a chance that might, he might not have been able to take. So, I mean, it's so cool. Like, and 99% of the people we've never met in person. It's just, it's just this camaraderie brought through all this virtual, this whole virtual world. Um, Dude, it's sick. Absolutely, man. So Absolutely. And I can't wait to find out what's next. There's, there's a, there's a lot coming down the pipe. Um, you know, only, uh, only green, only going up. Uh, all up from here. So excited to be a part of it. But Zach, man, uh, tell us what's next for you. What's next? You're moving, you're moving to, you're moving to Utah, just outside of Salt Lake, outside of Park City. Um, we got a, you called it an off year. Uh, not, not a whole lot going on. I know you're going for that globe. You got a tough competitor here right now. The way I see you facing on the left-hand side, got a tough competitor uh, going for that same globe or a couple of those globes. Uh, but what's next, man? Yeah. I mean, next definitely finish taping up some boxes so I can get out here and, and get settled in. Um, but, uh, 
pretty shortly after that, I got quite the, the two weeks ahead of me. I'm headed back to finish packing. I drive out all day on Thanksgiving. I'll get here the night of Thanksgiving, pick up my dad from the airport. We'll unpack the next day. And then the 25th, which is the day after that, I jump on a plane to go to Amsterdam for our first World Cup. And so, uh, yeah, we'll be headed out to the Netherlands pretty soon to get back in the gates and, and have a, a shot at the podium. And, um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, what's, what's next for me is laying the groundwork. Like, I am ready to hit these next few years hard, and I'm able to do that because I have the right support system now. And, like, Shredding Sassy, even though I haven't been able to be near as active as I wanted to be in the community uh, just because life has been so crazy for the past, you know, few months for me um, and even years, it's still just one of those added factors of, like, what gives me confidence to make these big decisions, to move my whole life to a new area so I can actually have the lifestyle that I want. It's because I have the right people and it's because I have access to the right communities and Shredding Sassy is one of them. So it's definitely pretty awesome to, uh, to have that, just that feeling, like I said, of like, I get to be the athlete that I want to be now. And that's my focus for the next three years is like, I now actually have a shot at being the person that I want to be at really like attacking my goals head on the way I've wanted to. And so, I mean, I'm just going to soak, soak it all up and take as much advantage as I can for these opportunities ahead. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm stuck to be on the ride with your brother. Um, Hey, real quick. Give everybody a shot how they can follow along throughout this journey for you, would you? Yeah. Um, great mention. So uh, for me, one of the biggest things is just continuing to build that social media, right? You know, that's what sponsors want to see is they want to see the platform. They want to see that I um, am able to engage with communities and and get people to learn more about our sport and, and more about me and what I do. And so, um, you know, it's free you can jump on instagram and press a couple buttons the mountain miller is the the tag that i have and um so following me along there will uh help me tremendously just because um it's a small thing that uh that you can do but those numbers really do add up and they make they make the next sponsorship they make that next opportunity come a little bit easier so that's huge and just following along you know drop comments when whenever you see my posts um but reach out like I am definitely not a famous pro athlete by any means. I'm not, you know, inaccessible because I'm too busy, like living this crazy life. I, you know, I'm just a dude who loves to snowboard and that love and that passion has opened up some crazy doors and it's given me a life I'm very grateful for. And so, you know, if anyone ever has any questions about my disability, about, you know, the road I had to take to get to where I am today or, or just about snowboarding or, or the Paralympics or anything like hit me up, send me a message, uh, drop a comment. You know, um, I definitely like want to, I want to be a good athlete and I want to have success. I want to stand on the podium, right? I want to chase those dreams, but I also want to have a legacy like on my sport. I want to have people in my corner that are stoked to be around me. I want to leave the world a better place. And so 
you know, the best way to do that is to create connections. So that's, that's what I'm here to do, man. Like reach out. Let's, let's talk about stuff. You heard it first thrash talk slide into Zach Miller's DM (laughs) at the mountain Miller on Instagram. Let's go. Dirty, dirty. And what we'll do is we'll get you a seat next to Leano Messi at the uh, the next ESPYs, dude. So, uh, so let's make that nice. happen. Let's make that yeah. happen. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you coming on, man. I had a question for you. I like lined it up at the very beginning when we started talking, but now I can't throw it your way. So I, I, I'm going to throw it your way, but don't answer, okay? Don't answer. If you had to give up one, would you give up gaming or snowboarding? Don't answer. Don't answer. We can move on. We can end this. We can end it. Let's end this thing. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't think you can give up either. I don't think you can give up either. I thought about it uh, at the beginning. I was like, oh, man, he's into gaming. I wonder if he had to give up one, what he'd give up. But it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like gaming is just, you know, such a part of you. It, it's something that is it's beyond me. It's not something that I experience and that I understand. So just seeing that passion in you, man, it it's 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 so impressive. And, and I'm like, knowing that you have that passion there, I know that you carry that same passion in snowboarding and you know, that's why you're going to continue to do great things, man. So it's just been a pleasure meeting you. Well, I do appreciate that, but I will actually answer your question briefly. I, I would give up gaming to have snowboarding, man, because, and I'll tell you why it's actually a pretty, pretty simple. I don't have to, (laughs) I can have both. I can have both. Um, (laughs) I, I've, I've, I would give up gaming to have snowboarding because as, as much as I love games, as much as I've gotten connections through them, uh, snowboarding has taught me so many more lessons in life. And it's led to some, some connections that aren't just like best friends. They're like family, they're ride or dies. You know, snowboarding started out as just something I wanted to do for fun. And to this day, it is one of the reasons I've been able to travel the world. It's the reason I've been able to meet people from tons of different cultures and learn about their lives and where they came from and, and tell stories. And I've learned so many lessons too, of just like having such an early start in sports and, and traveling and competing. I had to grow up pretty quick. You know, I had to learn some tough life lessons, you know, a little bit sooner than a lot of other kids my age did. And as a result, I'm much more mature person. And I've, I've just have a better sense of what I want out of life because I've been able to see so much of it. Like snowboarding, snowboarding has given me so much perspective and it's given me connections with people that aren't just teammates, but like at the end of the day, they're friends, they are family. They're people that like genuinely want what's best for me, you know, and like having people like Keith too, were like, I can go and compete and risk my life for an achievement. But then later that night I can sit down and be like, dude, like, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm scared. I'm 22 years old. And I feel like I have so much stuff that I need to do. And I don't, I don't even know where to start. And to like have someone, you know, like Keith, like he's literally sat down time and time again and just been like, dude, like take a second, look at like where you are, look at what you've done. Like, it's okay. You're actually doing pretty well for yourself. And, you know, like having, having that is something that, you know, gaming couldn't really give me like a face-to-face conversation with someone I have seen the world with someone I have experienced my, my peaks and 
valleys with and been able to have that heart to heart of like, Hey, like I'm here for you. And, you know, even though we were in each other's eyes because of snowboarding, it's able to, uh, to really show itself in a lot of other aspects of my life. So, I mean, snowboarding is, uh, that's, that's the main thing, you know, that's, that's the thing that's really given my life. It's, uh, it's purpose really. I think that's the perfect way to, to close this thing out, man. Keith, give it to me. Let's close it down. Yeah, let's wrap it up. I, I appreciate it, Zach. Thank you for all your kind words. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to rip the world with you, you know, thrash all over the planet. Um, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for you and to continue on this journey with you. Thank you for your time. Sleep as always, man, you are the host with the most, uh, always appreciate your time as well. And I know you give a lot to the community and to, to this project. So super stoked to be on, on thrash talk with you. And, uh, yeah. Thanks boys. Heck yeah, man. Hey, Zach crush it this year. Keith, you too, but I, I might be a bigger fan of Zach right now. I haven't decided yet, man. I have to decide who I'm cheering for. You guys, are, okay. you guys are teammates. We'll have to, I can cheer for both y'all, but, uh, it's okay. But, hey, thanks Zach. I appreciate it. Have a good thanks day. for having me guys. Have a great season. Man.